What's up, everybody? This is your boy, DJ Ben Amin, and welcome to another episode of Fair and Bros. But before we get into this, you need to go over to the iTunes page, subscribe, hit us on YouTube, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, do all that good stuff. Like us on Facebook, like us on, on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me try one, let me try one. Welcome, welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, Internets? This is Chico Leo here with another Fan Bros Special Delivery. Not just any Fan Bros Special Delivery. This is Fan Bros Special Delivery 2015. So, um, we find ourselves with our first Special Delivery in the year 2015. Already three, three and a half percent of the year 2015 is behind us. We're not going to talk about any of that. We're not talking about 2015. We're here to talk about 1946. Why 1946? Because that's when Agent Carter takes place. So, I I don't even know where to start. Um, You know, there was a brief moment when we look back on comic book stuff on TV, and we'll talk about the brief period after The Flash debuted when people started saying, oh, yeah, you know, Marvel definitely owns the movie space, but DC's really got it going on with Arrow and The Flash. We'll leave out Gotham out of that. But, um, yeah, that that was a brief period because Marvel basically saw what they did wrong, uh, in my opinion, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they did it all right with Agent Carter. Um yeah, I mean, I, I was really, really impressed um, with almost every element. Um, first off, the casting, Haley Atwell as Agent Carter, who was Captain America's love interest in the first Captain America movie. Uh, and for those of you out there who didn't see that, Captain America uh, selflessly and bravely crashes a plane. Uh, and we think, uh, and the whole world thinks that he's dead. Anyone who uh, reads Marvel Comics knows that, in fact, he got frozen and will be unearthed in Avengers 4 and then many other times after that, I guess. Um, But uh, Agent Carter, who's his love interest, does not know that. And she's actually on the radio with him as he's going down. And it was probably the most moving or one of the more moving scenes in a Marvel movie up to that point. Uh, Captain America was uh, a pretty good movie. The second one, uh, even even better. So, um, in testing out some new, some characters that uh, might work for some miniseries, uh, about a year or two ago, um, Marvel made a bunch of short or five short films. Uh, one of which starred Agent Carter and really was uh, like the calling card for the series. It's a 15-minute short film that actually appeared on the Blu-ray of Iron Man 3. But you can uh, find it on the internet. I found it on the internet. And uh, you can watch it. And it's really great, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, to watch it sort of right after having watched uh, the show. And... Uh, you can basically see that uh, they, 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 the short really works really well, and they took a lot of that and, and successfully applied it to the show. All right, so, so Haley Atwell uh, is fantastic as Agent Carter. She inhabits the, the character in every way. Uh, she's really dope. The, the, 
script and the character calls for her to be all kinds of things at all different times and she's totally up for the task um you know if she was on your team she's a player who rebounds well who shoots well uh who's you know uh, defends the ball she dives for loose rate uh you know loose balls and, and 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 every rebound um you know she passes like pistol pete maravich i mean it's just really pretty extraordinary um there are some really great fight scenes i mean i'm not really going in any kind of order here but um there there are some really great fight scenes that i thought were staged really well shouts to the directors um the agent carter what has aired are the first two episodes that aired back to back so it wasn't one two hour um episode they were written and directed by uh, different people. The guy who directed the pilot is the guy who directed the Agent Carter short that you should go uh, check out. And um, the one or both were written by the writers of Captain America and Captain America Winter Soldier. I think I think those were there were different writers for those two movies and they wrote the first two episodes. Um, so casting was totally on point all the way from start to finish. They the guest stars in this episode were Andre Royo, who a lot of people know as Bubbles from The Wire, who played like a super slick, uh, club owning, jazz club owning, high tech fence, and James Frain, who's been in a ton of things. I I, I mean he was on uh, Twenty Four, he was on, um, The Tudors, and he plays a sufficiently creepy bad guy, um. Both of them are guest stars. I'll let you figure out why they won't be returning um, if you haven't seen the episode yet. But, th yeah, they had really great high-profile guest stars. Um, they had uh, the casting itself. Um, the uh, FBI guys are all are all really good. Her friend in the diner, played by Lindsay Fonseca. Um so I started this out by saying, uh, and again, this is kind of going to be all over the place because there's so many things that I liked about it, but I started saying that uh, we're going to talk about 1946, and the show is so up and front, up front about the stuff going on in 1946, both the production, like visually and thematically. I thought the production design was incredible. Um, I did not feel like I was watching a TV show. Uh, I felt it, it, the both episodes felt very cinematic, and I say cinematic. Um, I felt that the uh, the pilot of Agents of Shield was very. Um, it felt very set bound or or stage bound, like we were on these sets, and if the camera just moved a little bit to the left or the right, um, that you know we were going to see you know dudes standing around with clipboards and light stands and stuff like that, uh, dudes and women, um, and. This uh, 1946 is totally believable and inhabitable. And uh, the show is also really cinematic it just in the way that it, it, it the way that it's shot. I mean, again, uh, a lot of that is due to the production design, but a lot of it is due to the way it's shot. And you don't feel like you're on sets. You, you, you really do feel like uh, you're watching a movie and uh, you're in 1946. Thematically, it's very upfront as upfront as Mad Men. Um, both subtly and upfront, the the social stuff that's going on at the time. Women worked during World War II. Um, it was uh, a lot of people were all the men were off fighting, and so women worked in factories, women worked in stores, 
And one of the messed up things that happened is all the guys came back and they wanted their jobs back. And it was like, you know, thanks a lot. I mean, there was even, you know, no baseball teams because all the baseball players were all fighting. And that's where you had the league of their own. And these women played, you know, a couple of seasons and then it was, you know, see you later. So Peggy, who was on the front lines fighting with Captain America, um, is now she's working for the organization that uh, basically will become Shield. It's the off the scientific and strategic research, I believe, uh, SSR, and that's going to become Shield. And she works with a lot of sexist chauvinist guys. She works with a lot of sexist chauvinist white guys. It's one interesting thing that I'm going to, you know, the only, it's really the only challenge that I think the show will have because it's hitting so well on so many cylinders. And, you know, they, they had Andre Royo play a key character in the, in the premiere. So it can be done, but I'd like to see how the show is going to work, you know, characters of color in. Um, it would just be a shame if they don't because they do, they're doing everything else so well. Um, but sexism is the ism of the day in uh, Agent Carter. She's asked to do filing work. The dudes are a bunch of goons. Uh, there's a couple of smart guys. One who's sympathetic to her. He lost his leg at Okinawa. Um, and so all these guys have been also been off fighting World War II, but they just think she's Captain America's flame and, um, you know, nobody gives her credit. Meanwhile, she's, you know, kicking ass, taking names, figuring everything out. Um, and the, the, the set, the set pieces that they give her are all really dope, you know, involving, uh, cool, you know, World War II era or just post-World War II era gadgets, that are kind of like the early James Bond movies. Um, and, you know, she there's a fight on top of a truck that has, you know, explosive material in it. So it's definitely hitting on all the pulp cylinders like the Rocketeer or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, the evil organization is Leviathan, which um, I think is going to be some kind of Hydra-like organization. Um you know, for the for the for the uh, length of the miniseries. Now, apparently, Leviathan or members of Leviathan have stolen a whole bunch of Howard Stark's like worst weapons, what he calls his bad babies, and how and the government thinks that Howard Stark, who is Tony Stark, uh, the inventor and alter ego of Iron Man, he's Tony Stark's father. He is an inventor and genius and playboy um, who is instrumental in creating Captain America uh, in the in in the Marvel movie universe. And he's played by Dominic Monaghan. And ironically enough, um, I'm going to make this my Netflix pick of the week. Dominic Monaghan plays Ian Fleming, the man who created uh, James Bond. Uh, in a miniseries that's on Netflix currently that ran last year on BBC America uh, called Ian Fleming, The Man Who Would Be Bond. Um, anyway, uh, Howard Stark is only in it for a few minutes, but he's really dope. The uh, he, was in, he was in Captain America as well, and he basically comes out of hiding to ask Peggy 
to essentially clear his name and supplies Peggy with his chauffeur Jarvis uh, as her sidekick, essentially, and liaison to uh, Howard Stark. Uh, Howard Stark, by the way, had a really dope boat. He's only in the scene for a few minutes, but he had a really dope wood motorboat, like a teak motorboat. And I'm pretty sure this is, it was a year ago that I saw it, but we actually see uh, Dominic Monaghan playing Ian Fleming, driving that same boat around the coves of Jamaica uh, with his mistress in in that, uh, that same sort of teak, you know, uh, two-person motorboat. Um also point out that Peggy Carter wears really dope hats throughout. Um, but yeah, Dominic Monaghan and uh, Howard Stark are only in it for a few minutes, but he's really dope. And, um, you know, I, again, I'm assuming he, you know, he's going to be, you know, throughout the series. But the Jarvis and Agent Carter team up is really awesome. They're two opposites that are sort of forced to work together, but they're also super witty British people. Um, that's the other thing. I don't know if I mentioned both Haley Atwell and Agent Carter are British, um, which just adds an element. It adds a James Bond element. It makes her cooler. Um, and it, it also makes like the scenes where she's talking to her, her waitress friend in the diner who has like a, you know, a heavy Brooklyn accent. It just, it just makes all that, uh, you know, um, it highlights, uh, yeah. Agent Carter's dopeness. Um, both the show and the character. So um, Howard Stark enlists her and sends his butler along and their chemistry is really fantastic. I would, I'd, I'd be willing to compare it to um, Nicole Bahari and uh, dude on sleepy hollow, who I think they have really fantastic chemistry and it's at the heart of what, uh, you know, one of the things that really works really well about that show um, you know, he's like sort of super persnickety and proper and she's like, you know, a maverick. And so it's that sort of perfect, you know, Higgins Magnum PI kind of or, you know, Michael Knight and Kit kind of team up. Um, and then he gives her, her access to um, Howard Stark. Um, so she's doing all this behind her boss's uh, backs. Um and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one adventure to another one, one, one set piece to another, but there's, there's actually, I take that back. Cause there, there is some dope downtime where we do see the world, you know, we get, we get these automats and jazz parties and, you know, great, you know, sets of, you know, 1940s offices and street scenes and cars and action scenes with gadgets and the tone of of the show is is so consistently strong and right on point. Again, it's like uh, you know Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Rocketeer, you know, set in that 1940s world. Um, I guess Rocketeer is early 40s and Raiders is you know mid to late 30s. But you know what I mean. And there's there's all these sort of classic pulp elements with secret formulas and watches that open up safes. Um, and every and and everybody everybody you know basically hits a home run, um, so yeah. Um, sorry, DC. I mean, you had a little moment there where everyone was talking about, and and that's not to say. I mean, the Flash is dope, and Arrow is dope, and their crossover was great. 
But if this is a sign of what's to come, now again, Agent Carter is just a miniseries, eight episodes. But if this is a sign of what their Daredevil miniseries is going to be, what their Luke Cage miniseries is going to be, um, and all the others, I mean, all of which have had really great casting. Um, I, I, I really think, I mean, the comics natural place is TV because of the ongoing soap opera, you know, sequential storytelling that you just can't get done in one movie every, you know, few years, which is what, you know, is happening with these franchises. And, um, you know, they're, they're already talking about, oh, the Daredevil is going to be grim and gritty and it's going to feel like The Wire and not like a superhero movie. And I, I actually thought that was a, a sort of weird thing to say, but I, I have, I have, a, this is, this is, they've re-earned my trust that they lost on, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I felt looked really drab um, and didn't, didn't, I don't know. They, they apparently have recaptured that and I'll, I am willing to go back and check that out um, and see, but they really hit it out of the ballpark here. And I expect the upcoming things of which I think Daredevil is going to happen in, uh, in 2015, uh, in a few months. And I think that that, you know, that if that's as good as this, I mean, um, they're really, they will have conquered the TV space as well as the movie space. Um, so yeah, check out Agent Carter if you haven't already. Check out the Agent Carter short. Uh, there, it's I think the head heading is Marvel one shots. There's several other. There's two with Agent Coulson from um, Agents of Shield. There's um, one with a couple that finds one of the guns after the or or some sort of piece of high tech hardware after the avengers movie yeah there's four there's four or five of them and and agent carter i think is the sort of longest and biggest biggest budget and definitely stick around till the end because that even though it's just a short film has a little tag at the end the way the marvel movies do and uh, that's about that. Uh, there was another big hit show this week with Empire. Everyone was talking about it. Um, it sounds really dope. I'm definitely going to look for it and uh, and and try and uh, get caught up on, on that. Um, but those were the two big, big things that premiered this week were Empire and Agent Carter. Um, I know I, uh, I'm pretty sure Ben Amin and Tatiana caught um, Empire. Um, I feel like I saw someone on, on Fan Bros was definitely talking about it on Twitter. But I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Um, the reviews were uh, really positive. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to check that out. But definitely Agent Carter all the way. Uh, another huge hit for Marvel, um, who've definitely themselves been uh, making the right moves. They uh, Marvel editor-in-chief Axel Alonso, as many people know, just appeared on the last episode of Fan Bros. So, I mean, you know, in the same week, you know, being on an episode of Fan Bros and dropping a hit TV show, Marvel's, you know, one-two punch continues. Oh, yeah, one other thing that I, I really liked about the uh, about the show, in the second episode, they use, um, there's a, a radio show, a Captain America radio show going on, and they, they we hear it throughout the episode, but they also actually cut to the actors in the studio, and of course, Captain America's girlfriend is the farthest thing from um, Peggy Carter, and um, there's even a cool sequence where she's um, fighting and they're, they're cutting to the guy, the Foley guy, the sound guy on the radio show, 
like hitting a big like raw ham um and so every time her blows land we get like you know cuts to the 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 foley guy like hit, you know making the the like exaggerated radio sounds and it was just a cool thing and it was a cool thing to you know a put us in 1946 but there also would have been like a really corny captain america radio show in that world at the time and they would have gotten everything sort of wrong about captain america and just done this really sort of um really thin you know super patriotic you know square jawed like i'll save the day and um and sort of that going on it sort of highlighted you know again like the chauvinism thing i thought it was a, i thought it was a clever smart um trick that they used and um i would even be fine if they if they you know if they brought that back and did it again um i thought that was really cool um you know again uh, the show was really you know i remember when they were like oh they're doing an agent carter it's sort of like guardians of the galaxy your first reaction was sort of like, what? Why, you know, why pick that character? It's so weird. Um, but they put a lot of thought and and a lot of creative. I mean, look, Marvel's a company. It's owned by Disney. Disney is a rapacious corporation. They, they're trying to make money. But the other thing is these are properties and 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 stories. They're They're telling really good stories and they're telling them well. And ultimately, you know, we live in a capitalist society and I'm not going to complain when when these big giant corporations are telling stories well. There's enough of that out there with your Transformers and your other, you know, that are just, you know, commercials, you know, to make you obey and consume. And, you know, at the end of the day, that might be the, you know, motive of you know some of the people in the uh, boardrooms at Disney but the reality is there's a lot of really great creative people doing a lot of really great creative stuff and this it's happening right now at an unbelievable rate I mean there's no way that you know those of us who were born you know in the 70s and 80s I think could have really imagined you know so many superhero comic book uh stories told so well on the big screen and now the little screen as well um and you know i mean 20 years ago gotham would have been beyond anything conceivable uh on tv and yet you know of the three new comic book shows that have premiered with it's it's the third behind flash and agent carter you know who i i would not have thought that so, you know, it's not just the character, it's how it's handled. I mean, again, when, when they first announced Guardians of the Galaxy, it was like, what? And, you know, that was exactly the right move. That was the right movie to put um, in that order in their sequence to take it cosmic, to get away from the straight-up superhero um, genre. Um, it, and, and I think Agent Carter uh, also uh, is, is sort of perfect time, January of 2015. Fan!